This is Amateur Logic, episode 128 from March 15th, 2019. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com, and by ICOM and the soon-to-be-released new IC9700. You're going to want to keep this rig on your radar. Good evening. Welcome to another Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Emil. And it's great to be back with you. And you can see tonight that we don't really have an on-site co-pilot here, so we're operating via remote co-pilot, which means I've got extra work to do here. So if something goes wrong... Um, George did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I got guess. plenty of room over there for the extra mice and keyboards this time. I do. I do. Well, I know where Emil is. You're down down south of here. Tommy, where are you this week? Well, I'm up north of there. <laughs> I, I'm, we got pretty much got the country covered. I'm, I'm in Connecticut. I'm having to work over the weekend, or at least part of it. So, uh, anyway, having to do this one remotely. Okay. Cool. On hotel Wi-Fi, nonetheless. So, hopefully it'll hold up. Wait, right. Tommy, you look like you're right there to me. Aren't you yeah. just like right there? Yeah. It feels like feels like home. Feels like I'm right there. <laughs> yeah, feels to me like you're both right there. But um, <laughs> anyway, right here. we have a fun show lined up tonight. There's going to be well some some interesting projects and uh, general mayhem. Tommy, what will you be talking about tonight? Uh, I'm looking forward to the mayhem, uh, but I, I built a project this time, something that I needed for field day a couple of years ago and uh, wanted to get it built before the next one. So I'm lo- kind of looking forward to you guys seeing that. Okay. Emil, what are you going to be showing tonight? Well, anytime I uh, can exploit opportunities to eat, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> and when it involves ham radio and my... Uh, kids over there in uh, Lafayette, that's uh, an, another reason to go. So I, I got to visit a ham fest that we are all familiar with and had some fun over there. So that's what I'm going to be showing. Cool. I, I hated that I missed that this year. Yeah, me too. But I know we'll when we watch the, next year, though. I know when we watch the video here, it'll be just like we were there. Uh, I've got, well... Something a little unusual tonight. You know, you're not supposed to be able to run Windows 10 Pro, the desktop version of Windows 10 on a Raspberry Pi, but I've done it now, uh, thanks to some uh, a lot of other people's work. We're going to look at that a little later. No, I'm, I'm talking about the full Windows 10, not the Windows 10 IoT Core. So 
we'll we'll see how that turns out a little bit later in the show. But I guess let's get on into the emails uh, tonight. Uh, let's see who's got the first one. Well, I'll read it here. This one, boy, I I, I would butcher his name so bad. I don't even think I'm going to try it. I'm just going to say this came from SQ9MLZ. And he said, Hi, George. I have an ICOM 9100, and I'm wondering if it's possible to record voice messages for contest CQ. And, and, and yeah, that really saves your voice a lot. Uh, he says he doesn't have the DV module, but maybe it's possible with it. If it's not possible, are there other options to do it? Uh, well, email, you have a 9100. Is it possible to do a voice keyer in it? I do have the 9100 with the DV module. And, man, you know, there's no place for storage. I, I think I can record uh, CQ or, or CW, you know, uh, ideas and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm not sure that the voice part. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up while we're... Um, doing the show here to find out if there's a way. Um, okay. I think you can record digital, uh, you know, like CQ-type memories, but I'm not sure you can do voice, like a recording. I'll, I'll look it up, though. I have never used my 9100 for that, if so. Okay. Well, I've already answered him on it, but since you're going to look it up, we'll just wait and see what you come back with. Y'all have got a lot of things going on down in Slidell. While we were, I uh, was reading... Uh, some of the Facebook forums, Amateur Logic Facebook forums, uh, I got the post from uh, Glenn, uh, KG5CEN. He uh, posted a uh, presentation put together by uh, Nick Tusa, who's a member of our club down here in Slidell. And basically, it's a write-up of the background of the single sideband history in central electronics equipment. And that's relevant for uh, the, another email you'll uh, I'll read a little bit later about some events that are happening down here, which I think is going to be great. Uh, but there's a lot of good, great information in that uh, post about the uh, history of uh, some of the central electronics equipment and also the development of uh, that equipment when it comes to sideband and how it kind of got into uh, the use in ham radio. So great stuff in there, and thanks to Glenn for that. Yeah, well, we'll be looking forward to hearing more about that event because that. That might be something I come down to that you'll be talking about a little bit later here. Awesome. Well, let's see where we are next. So, speaking of great events in Louisiana, do you want to set this one up for us, Emil? Okay. Well, uh, like I said, if I have an excuse to go somewhere to eat some good seafood and and get to visit my kids across the uh, Atchafalaya, Basin down in uh, Lafayette, I'm going to take it every time. And let me tell you, this this club, W5DDL, really knows how to, uh, as they say in the country, pass a good time, chef. So <laughs> check it out. Hey, George and Tommy, we're here at the uh, Rainham Fest. I'm the largest uh, ham fest on the Gulf Coast, and uh, W5DDL is putting it on, and we are just finishing setting up the uh, table here. Now, lots of vendors out today, and people setting up, 
getting things ready. Looks like a good time was had by all. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like a lot, 
lot of good friends there. I really hate we get missed that. You know, uh, Tommy. Speaking of that, I um, I brought my little um, squirrel cam that I use to capture some of the wildlife here in my backyard. Oh, and that's how you do that. <laughs> it's a game camera, right? So I just yeah. set it up on one of my tripods on the table, and as people were walking by, I, I, I captured uh, some of the people we knew. So cool. That's it was awesome. great stuff, guys. Well, neat idea. Yeah. I had never thought about that. but uh, Yeah, yeah neat idea. good idea. That's, that's such a great ham fest, man. People there at that thing, they're so nice, and the, the food is amazing. It's just a good time. Yeah, it was. We passed a good time, as they call it. <laughs> well, maybe next year. All right, yeah. looking forward to seeing y'all. It was really fun. Some good uh, good friends you had in there, too. Absolutely. I, I don't know if you caught it, but um, Glenn was actually uh, given some... We had to rearrange some of the video feeds and the stuff on the pies. He was actually showing somebody how to use the uh, Pie Star image that he has in his his hotspot and uh so that was pretty cool because we, we actually had people interested asking us well how did you do this and how'd you do that well glenn turned it right around and showed him on the spot there you yeah. go glenn and that that was a lot of fun way you put that together too i i hope youtube doesn't flag us on that music on there maybe <laughs> maybe the publisher did, is not registered it, you, know, you know in 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 proper cheap old man fashion i did find a site that said free cajun music oh. <laughs> okay oh the, oh that's where it wasn't playing in the venue right right oh. i actually found a site that probably, probably free. good that's <laughs> pretty, on it. a pretty good tune too you know i had my uh-huh. foot tapping over here i was looking to pinch some tails and suck some heads you know, just <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute Okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I got it right that time, didn't I? Okay, you yeah. got it. Yeah, but I have gotten it backwards before, and that's that can always be a painful thing there. <laughs> so, Tommy, what is your first email for tonight? I'm having to do this on my iPad since I'm not there. couldn't print it. I got one from Jake, N5NOE. It says, hey, Tommy, what brand of headphones with a microphone attached to it would you recommend um, – to use while listening to D-Star on an Internet Labs DB dongle. Naturally, one that connects via USB and possible volume control on the headset cord. You used one during your amateur logic videos a while back. You made the comment you feel like an air traffic controller as you were putting putting them on. Uh, any suggestion would be greatly appreciated. And that was the uh, Microsoft Life Cam. Yep, that, that's it right there. And uh, anyway, it was a good headset. I'm not sure if they still sell that one, but they've got some newer models of it. Uh, I don't think you can go wrong with it. And a lot of people use uh, Logitech headsets as well. So I, I think either one of those would be fine. Just get one that's going to be comfortable. With uh, I prefer the one with the bigger ear cups that don't just push on your ear. They kind of sit on top, uh, sit over your ears. Over the ears instead of on the ears. Yeah. So it's just a lot more comfortable if you're going to listen to them for very long. Yeah. Well, email. why don't you follow up on uh, what you were talking about a moment ago? Ham Fest for W5SLA. That's coming up in July of this year. 
Let me just read the uh, first blurb here. Are you interested in the full spectrum of vintage HF single sideband AM radio rig restoration, electron tubes, homebrew rig constructions, and even SDR? Looking for just a good old-fashioned summertime ham fest, boneyard, or an XYL-sanctioned opportunity to visit (laughs) New Orleans in the National World War II Museum? Here's a can't-miss event just for you. So, again, uh, Nectusa runs this site here, Central Electronics site, and uh, the W9DYV uh, Amateur Radio Symposium is going to be down here in, in Slidell in July. It's kind of in, in the same weekend as our ham fest, and uh, so it's going to be a lot of the old you know, vintage radios, talks about the new uh, technologies, and it's, it's normally, from what I understand, I've never been to it, but it's normally in Jonesboro, uh, Tennessee, and this year they're bringing it down here to Slidell, and it just so happens to be in the same weekend as our uh, ham fest. So I'm sure it's going to be lots of great stuff, and I'm looking forward to uh, attending that and you know and of course our ham fest as well so uh good stuff by nick tusa there so i'm i'm hope i'm hoping to uh, attend that and just just to say it i did not know until i saw some of this uh sites that nick tusa was on ham nation as well talking about uh the old um mm-hmm. gear from this company here and so i've been watching up and brushing up on those videos i think there's a few right george oh yeah i, I don't remember how many times he's been on there uh, but he and Bob are big friends. So, you know, they both like that central electronic stuff big time. Okay. Yeah, that's the first I've heard of it. And then when I started looking, I said, whoa, okay. Because Nick is in our club, and um, we actually got together on a few things down here and, and taught some classes at a local community college about ham radio as well. So, great guy. Yeah. And I'm thinking about coming down there. It's a good Good chance I might make it to that now. That's um, uh, to Slidell. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I plan on going down there to that as well. Yeah, sounds, awesome. Sounds like another good time down south. Our good friend and troublemaker Mike Ve3MIC, <laughs> who is I think he's in the chat room tonight. Yep. Yeah, he's in there. You know. Mike always likes to help us out with some uh, public service type stuff here on the show. And he's working on a new set of informational posters to just kind of, well, help people uh, through rough times, uh, maybe even save a few lives. This is number one right here. It's the amateur's logic, number one. Do not eat. On the number one on the do not eat list, huh? <laughs> number one. Exactly. Number two is going to be that stuff Arnie sent us. <laughs> Pareto's, maybe? Something like that? Yeah. My son, I, I think he ate the rest of those. I guess he would have sucked the bottom out of that Vegemite jar then. He might. He very well may have. You can't ever tell. Wow. My my kids apparently watched the uh, episode where you guys were testing that out, and they they kind of wised up to it. So it's still sitting in the bag you sent me. It's still sitting in the uh, closet unopened. <laughs> oh, they oh, didn't really? try it. No. <laughs> oh, I didn't at least try it. I'm gonna have to find someone uh, much more unsuspecting. Glenn. Uh, Glenn. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. now he Glenn's knows. In the chat room now. <laughs> 
All right. We'll be back in just a moment, but first let's get a message, well, from one of our friends. Isn't it about time someone developed an inexpensive multiband antenna you could deploy in just minutes? Well, someone has. Meet the Octopus. MFJ's new four-band octopus antenna is the perfect way to get you swimming in the HF ocean immediately. The octopus mounting base is constructed of heavy-duty stainless steel and super-strong fiberglass-filled ABS insulator tube. The built-in ballon comes with an attached SO239 connector pigtail ready for you to attach coax. Choose a pair of hamsticks for each of your four favorite bands, screw them into the eight chrome-plated 3H24 threaded mounts, and you're able to get on the air in just minutes. The MFG Octopus will mount on most any metal pole or telescopic mast up to one inch in diameter. Just tighten the thumb screw. You can rotate the antenna with a small TV rotor like the high gain ARI 500 or just ground mount the antenna for omnidirectional use. With its eight super lightweight arms, the MFG Octopus is ready to reach out and grab the big DX on your favorite bands. At only 14 feet in diameter, it's great for emergency, stealth, portable, campground, or as a permanent base antenna. And the hamsticks break down to around 4 feet for easy, compact storage. If you're on the lookout for a compact, quickly deployable multiband HF antenna, keep an eye out for the new MFJ Octopus. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. Looks like a great uh, field day or, or camping antenna. Y- you know, that's, um, that's one of those ideas you wonder why it's never been done before. Uh-huh. And look what I've got right here, Tommy, speaking of the next field day or camping. A part of an octopus. Part of the octopus and part of the other parts of an octopus. <laughs> the tentacles. The tentacles. I actually have all the tentacles. And I've got the octopus here. And I've been wanting to get out there and set it up. But you know, our weather has just not been conducive to yeah. antenna raising. Uh, my birthday which was this past week, I, I was off work, and it was not raining, and the temperature was about right, and I had planned to go out and set this octopus up, do a little tuning on it and playing with it, but with the 50-mile-an-hour winds, I just didn't feel like it was going to be a yeah. good idea. It wasn't quite 50, but they were very high winds, so I still hadn't got to put this thing together, but I want to do it and play with it a little bit before we actually take it out and use it but um i think it's going to be a good performer yeah it, it looks like uh easy to set up too uh, you know we spend most of our time trying to get antennas up in the air at field day and stuff it'd be nice to change to uh to actually be able to get some antennas up without spending like three quarters of the day you just doing that yeah i think this one ought to go pretty smooth I, i'm going to set it up and you know get get all the elements tuned on it, ready to go in advance. So when we're actually ready to go out and use it, should be uh, yeah. really but George, quick. Yes. George, I'm, I'm predicting, I'm zoning in on the next Keystone Caper episode. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. 
Speaking of MFJ antennas, you used one for winter field day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I talked to Richard about that one uh, when I was at Rain. I, I definitely want to get uh, pick up one. Oh, uh, forget the exact model, but uh, it's on our episode uh, for Winter Field Day. And uh, Glenn, Glenn actually has that antenna, and he's used it for our Summer Field Day and our Winter Field Day, and he just about outperformed us all. So you know, if wow. you can't beat him, join him. There you go. Well, yeah. It's the MFJ twenty three eighty nine. Absolutely, uh, that's a performer. Yeah, it is. It's funny how you just knew that off the top of your head, George. Well, you know, I, like that. Glenn just kind of channeled it to me digitally. <laughs> oh, look, so. it's in the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that's uh, looks like it's pretty quick to deploy too once it's been tuned up. Cool. Well, I've got, uh, speaking of informational announcements, I've got one here. Well, this one actually um, came in an email today from David Norris, K5UZ, who's the ARRL Delta Division Director. I just wanted to remind everyone that the FCC has invited public comments on the ARRL's 2018 petition for rulemaking now designated as REM 11-828. The FCC is asking to expand HHS privileges for technician licensees to include limited phone privileges on 75, 40, and 15 meters, plus ready and digital mode privileges on 80, 40, 15, and 10 meters. Interested parties got 30 days to comment. Uh, the technician enhancement proposal stemmed from recommendations that the ARRL Board of Directors Entry-Level License Committee gauged members' opinions from 2016 to 2017. Specifically, ARRL proposed to provide technician licensees, both present and future technicians, phone privileges from 3,900 kHz to 4 MHz in the 75-meter band, 7.225 to 7.3 megahertz on 40 meters and 21.35 megahertz to 21.45 megahertz. Uh, Ridian digital privileges in the current technician allocations are uh, on 80, 40, 15, and 10 meters. The maximum HF power level for technician operators would remain at 200 watts PEP. So if you go to the link, it's this is just a shortened up link to the uh, actual page on the FCC where they're inviting your comments. Go there and let the FCC know what you think about those proposals. Not really wanting to get too political on here, but I, I looked at some of the posts earlier, and they're back and forth either way. It uh, seems like people are 100% behind that initiative or either they're diametrically opposed to it. So, um, me, yeah. you know, I think it's, I think we need to give the technicians a little more privileges. I think it would help get some new hams in. I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I think uh, if, it's, if it's good for the hobby to get more people in, I guess I'm, I'm probably for it. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to take the stance that some people took uh, for the no-code 
thing, you know, thought it was going to ruin ham radio and stuff, but it, it pretty much kept it alive, honestly, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I, don't, I don't want to say anything against Professor Thomas and D. Martin, or I'm going to get a detention. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, that could happen. You owe me a hall pass anyway from last time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I Personally, I feel like it'd be good to give them a some privileges on HF to kind of let them get their feet wet and, you know, don't give them everything because then there wouldn't be any reason to upgrade, and they're not giving them everything uh, in this right. proposal here. You know, it's a limited slice of 75 meters and 40 meters, which are, you know, two two very popular bands. Um. I remember as a technician liking the fact that I could go on um, the CW portions, right? There was portions way low that I could actually use mm-hmm. um, on several bands as a tech. Uh, but, yeah, I always remember thinking, man, I wish I had some voice somewhere other than, what is it, 10 meters, right? Yeah. On HF. So maybe that'll help it out? Um, maybe so. I, you know, I, I can guarantee there's not – going to be many people that are right down the middle on this you're <laughs> going to be you know, one if, way or the other if you've got if you really want to get on hf and you're a technician and you get a little slice and you go buy some gear there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to buy a, a fairly expensive radio just to talk on you know that much of the band uh, you're going to probably be pretty well driven to go on it and get you know, get your upgrade, get your full privileges for the rest of the the bands, the rest of the spectrum there. At least I would think so. Uh, yeah, I would think it would be a pretty good incentive for that. Plus, you know, there may be some folks who wouldn't ever be interested in getting a license to start with just to talk on VHF and UHF. But if they knew that they might could do some Skywave stuff, it might, might entertain them and, uh, you know, yeah. kind of get them into the hobby. You know, ham radio is still growing, but the growth rate of new licensees is slowed. They're, we're not licensing folks as fast as we have in the past. So, yeah, something to help it out a little bit would certainly be good. Tommy, tell us about this month's project. I know this was one that's near and dear to your heart. Well, I've, I've kind of been driven to come up with a solution for this, so... I kind of introduced it in the video, but I'll give a quick summary. Uh, it's, I wanted a way to monitor my battery voltage when I was running off a solar panel and battery uh, for field day um, without having to sit there and watch it because a lot of times you get too caught up in trying to make your contacts. You don't really pay attention to the voltage meter that you've got hooked up to it. So I wanted a way to audibly know when my battery was getting low. So I, I built something to take care of that. Well, this month I decided to do a little bit of a project. I bought a whole bunch of these little Arduino Pro Minis when I was in Dallas one time. Uh, that micro center, they had them on sale for like three bucks. They're normally only four bucks. But I bought it, a handful of them, and I bought the little programmer that just plugs on there. Then that hooks up to your uh, USB Mini. And it makes it really easy to program the thing. I guess putting all this on the separate board keeps the cost way down. But this thing's got a lot of power. It's um, I've used it several times, different ones, and, and they've worked great. What's my project, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. 
at field day, I think it was the year before last, because we've had bad weather this year, I tried to run off a of battery power for a while. And even though my battery was charged up after a little while, my voltage got down. And while I was trying to make a QSO, I noticed my rig shut off, which is not good for your, your rig. It's not good to run it below uh, regular voltage or normal voltage that it's rated for. So I wanted a way to monitor it. <clears throat> well, I did have this little clip-on voltmeter. I bought one of these at uh, Dayton a few years ago, and I put some leads on it to clip onto my batteries. And it, it works great. And if I would have been watching it, it, I would have seen that my voltage was getting down and taking care of it. I was busy trying to make QSOs for the contest, and I didn't pay attention to it. I wanted a way to audible, audibly tell that it's down, or my voltage is low, below what I consider a safe threshold. So I looked for a device I never could find one, so I decided to build one. So I've, I've put it together on this piece of breadboard here. Actually, on two pieces of breadboard. And uh, let's take a look at it. <clears throat> Uh, I used the Pro Mini that I just showed you, and I found this little display, OLED display. I think I got these off of Amazon. I got two of them for like $4, or no, I'm sorry, they're $4 a piece, two of them for $8. I've got a 10K pot, because that just happens to be what I have here. That's the last one I had, and a resistor and LED, just so I can visibly see when my trigger is while I'm doing my programming. So I'm going to... I'll probably leave the LED on there, but I've also got this little buzzer I bought at uh, Micro Center when I was in Ohio uh, so I can hear the sound. When my voltage gets below my level, then it's going to uh, buzz the buzzer so I'll know to take care of my battery and save my rig. The, the threshold is adjustable using the pot, and I'll show you how I've got that set up. So let's take a look at it. I'm using one of these little switching regulators that I showed you in the past. It's like $0.99 cent device. I bought several of them when I ordered them. But anyway, I put the voltage in, and I can get whatever I want out adjustable uh, below what it's going in, obviously. Um, it's pretty efficient. There's no heat, and you can adjust the voltage right here. So I've got this one adjusted to give me 5 volts out. So as long as I've got uh, like 5 up to... 16 I think this one works too it'll uh, it'll give me a 5 volts constant out and that'll, that'll allow me to power my rig <clears throat> so let's take a look um, I've got my adjustable power supply hooked up I've got it set to 12 volts the other thing that's a little bit of a hurdle is while the Arduino has the capability to read voltage it can only read up to 5 volts this is the 5 volt Arduino Pro Mini uh, there is a 3.3 volt, which will only read up to 3.3. Uh, but anyway, this is a 5. So I've got to use a voltage divider and drop my 12 volts down to an acceptable range below the 16 or below the uh, 5 volts that the Arduino Pro Mini will, will use. So I found my resistor values. There's a formula that you can use the voltage times the second resistor divided by the value of the sum of the two resistors and that'll give you the voltage out so i wanted mine to work up to 16 volts so i figured out which resistors i needed the ones that i actually had so i used a one mega ohm and a 330k ohm resistor 
and I've got them tied together right here. Um, the one mega ohm here that's tied to the 330 and then the ground. And if I check my voltage, I should have less than 5 volts. And I do, 2.87. So that's safe voltage for me. And I figured up if I stay below 16 volts going in, which is way more than I'll, I'll put into it ever, that I'm still going to be within the acceptable value for my Arduino and I won't blow anything. So we'll step that voltage back up when we read it in the Arduino with a little bit of code and uh, find the factor and then do a little multiplication and get the right voltage back out of it. So let's take a look at it working. <clears throat> so I'll go ahead and hook up my sensor to there and hook up my common or my ground. All right, if we take a look here, we can see that my I use I put my voltage divider on this other board and I've got my voltage divider going into I've got it powered here, the negative here, sampling where they're tied together. And then I've got it run over here to my Arduino where I can read it. I've got 12 volts going in and it shows 12 volts right here. If I turn my voltage down, 1 point, 11 point, let's just go to 11. Oh, see what happened? My light started flashing. I've got a threshold set. So if you look just above where I'm reading the voltage, there's a trigger volts, 11.2 volts, 11.15 volts actually. If I want to change it, we can adjust the pot and it'll change that value. Now it's down to 10, 10 volts, which is below that, the 10.9 and the light's not going on. So let's drop it down to below. 10.37 which is and the light comes back on so if my voltage goes back up the light goes off so this should this should help me save my rig I haven't damaged it but I don't want that to happen I got a piece of board here that I bought this is my last one from Radio Shack I just opened it up it was still sealed up in the pack Lord knows how long I've had it and I put some uh, female header pins on here That'll fit the Arduino. And I'll build it around that. We'll put it in a nice box after I get it finished. I'll probably 3D print one to, to fit it. Let's go ahead and transfer this stuff off of here and put it onto the board and see what happens. Incidentally, I do have a little bit of a schematic that I'll, that I'll post that uh, shows how to wire all this stuff up. My display hooks up to the uh, SDA and SCL lines goes to the to the likewise ones on the display here, and then the ground and the voltage go to just like it says to the ground and the voltage. Uh, my voltage divider right here. Uh, I've got the positive coming from the battery into the voltage because that's what I want to check the voltage on, and then the ground or the negative going to the other side, and then the tap in the middle that goes in to read it on A zero on my Arduino Pro Mini. <clears throat> it, it's really simple design. It, it's uh, not any uh, 
nothing really bad. The worst part was just figuring out which one, which values of these were. And there are some cheat resources that you can use on the website, which I'll put the link to a website that's here. You can use that if you want to take the easy way and not do the math. Although I do suggest trying the, doing the math the hard way so you'll understand what, what you're actually doing. Another tip is use higher value resistors because if you'll look at the schematic, it goes out of the 330K, it goes up here and goes straight to ground. So you're going to have some voltage bleed off here uh, drained. So I did calculate that out using Ohm's Law uh, right here. And you can see that the current draw is, is almost nothing using these high value resistors. So I don't have to worry about that really affecting the life of my battery or, or generating heat. So they're, they're just as cool. To the touch as they can be. So let's go ahead and power all this down and start moving it. Well, it wasn't too bad. It took me a few hours because I had to go find a few things. Uh, I needed some more hookup wire and everything like that. So Anyway, it's all on the board. Uh, as you can see, it's working. The trigger is set for 13 volts. We can adjust that by turning our pot. It takes a few seconds for it to refresh. I'll make it like 11 volts. 10.92, that's close enough. And if I go over here, change my voltage. I've still got the light on here. Now the light should start flashing. I go back above 10.9. Stops flashing. One thing I did was I had an extra piece of this header, uh, female header strip here, and just enough to fit along this side of the Arduino. So I just put that on the board. And what I plan on doing is just pulling that out and I can hook up my buzzer. I'll put some proper connectors on it, obviously. Now let's drop it down. Now this is my 3D printed box I made. I've got everything all assembled now. I've got an LED light and the display on it. When I've got a normal voltage going in, everything's normal. When the voltage gets below the threshold of 11 volts, you can see the alarm goes off. When I raise it back up to a normal level, it's quiet again. I'm pretty sure that'll get my attention at field day this year if my battery starts getting kind of low. Anyway, it's a pretty easy project. I'll, I'll post the schematic, although this is pretty ugly. I may put together a little nicer one, but it's, it's very easy to follow. I'll, I'll publish that and the code that I uploaded into the Arduino that does this. Um, to the show notes and uh hopefully maybe you guys will get some use out of it 73 looks like you were having a lot of fun especially when the buzzer went off there it, it was fun man i really enjoyed doing that i've been wanting to build something so bad and and that's something that i wanted from field day before like i said and i had all those things just laying there and and so i decided to go ahead and do it um and i got to learn some stuff you know what 
so, some electronic stuff I'm I'm somewhat familiar with, but a lot of it I have still learning. So I got to learn a few things, you know, at the same time. So that's always a good day. And I, I did make a better looking schematic. It's in the zip file I, I referenced in the end of the video. So um, the sketch is on there also. You know, Tom, um, George, I, I haven't seen your segment yet, but I'm thinking Tommy's got us beat so far on the cheap old man compliance. Well, pr- probably so. I was going to say I didn't buy anything for mine. I already had everything, but that's not true. I did buy one item. So. One, one more thing I was going to mention about that project is uh, somebody showed one of those LiPo buzzers, and I actually thought about using that. But I do have plans on enhancing this and putting a logger to if you want to monitor battery drop off and uh, and you can also use one of the uh, Wi-Fi enabled Arduinos, which I have a couple of those sitting around, and have it email you if the voltage is low and things like that. So there's a lot of ways to enhance it. So I may look at that sometime in the future. Yeah, I really Maybe. like the looks of that little display. As a matter of fact. I saw some last night on Amazon while I was uh, looking for something else, and I almost emailed you and asked, is this the same one that you got? Because that, that is neat looking. Uh, I might yeah. need a magnifying glass, but, boy, it looked cool. Yeah, I, I measured the current drawing, and it's like little or almost nothing. Uh, I don't remember what the measurement was. I have it at home, but um, anyway, it's, it's a nice-looking little display and, and draw very little battery power. Yeah, how much? How much can you find those for? Well, uh, you could probably order them off of eBay cheaper, but I got two for eight bucks off of Amazon. That's compliant. with free shipping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Email. Yeah, yeah. That 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 gets the stamp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need the stamp handy here where I can just throw it on, you know, at a, at a moment's notice there, whenever. Okay, you know, I think I might be able to arrange you a digital stamp of sorts. All right. (laughs) Well, fun project, Tommy. You know that Arduino is one of my my favorite pastimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was was fun. Especially when you can make something that you'll actually use. Yeah, I, I put that in a permanent box, and it's sitting there in my stuff for my field day trips, so. Um, be yeah. good. So, what else have you got on the emails to talk about here tonight? Well, I just so happen to have one more, if I can find it. I've got one from uh, Rude. Uh, he's he's emailed us a few times. You've heard him mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, I think he emailed about the uh, the quarter wave stubs. I think uh, we talked on Ham College recently. Um, but anyway, he asked if I've heard of Skywave Linux. It's uh, an Ubuntu-based distro specially made for hams. And the link is skywavelinux.com, which you can see there. Uh, now it's only for x86, but in the future, maybe for ARM. Uh, he hopes so. In the moment, he's running on an old notebook, and it runs fine. And I, I actually do have, have heard of it. I keep it on the thumb drive and my laptop bag. And I do my SDR stuff from the hotel, so I keep my little RTL dongle in my suitcase, and I travel. I boot up that in my VMware machine on my laptop, and I do my SDR with it while I'm away from home. And I thought about 
doing somehow it was on my list to do a segment on and i don't know how it fell off of there it's not on the list anymore but it's back on now so you'll probably see something on it very soon it's it's a really nice distro yeah that's um that looks like that could be pretty handy you know i have not tried that particular version so uh yeah there's a lot of stuff you could put a lot of stuff on yourself um get you a new Ubuntu and, and install it, but a lot of the work's done for you, so why why go through all that? Yeah, if somebody else has already done the heavy lifting, I mean, that's compliant, right, Emil? Absolutely. It's a, a <laughs> distro of Linux. Yes. Time, time is money. <laughs> no, I bet you there's some pretty good um, SDR integration. I bet you, I, I think I was reading on the screenshot you showed the RTL SDR integrations that huh? it supports. Yeah, it works with that. It also works with my uh, SDR Play, uh, RSP2. Yep. Um, all that stuff's all set up already in there. Awesome. So whichever SDR I happen to bring, it works just fine with it. And there's a lot of other stuff on there besides just SDR. I got an email from Tom, N7TAE, and he had watched uh, episode 126, uh, Blue Thumb DV and Quarter Wave Stubs. And he mentioned that anyone interested in transmission lines and how to use open stubs, or uh, actually open or shorted, uh, definitely needs to own Transmission Line Communications by C.W. Davidson. It's uh, pretty expensive if you buy a new copy, but the older paperback editions are available and quite inexpensive. It's an absolutely fantastic book any ham will find interesting. You can go as deep as you want because Davison discusses the full mathematical derivations of each topic. And he introduces, though, in plain language and has very useful illustrations to explain what he's talking about. He's known the book for many years and can recommend that you get a copy. You won't be sorry. Thanks, Tom. That sounds like an interesting Book there, you know, transmission lines. That's a pretty can be pretty involved subject there. There's a lot more math. You don't just pour it in one end and it comes out the other. There's a <laughs> there's a lot going on there. So uh, thanks for pointing out that material. Well, we'll be back in just a moment, but let's take a quick break and get a message from ICOM. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. ICOM's newest SDR transceiver, the IC9700, is coming soon. This new radio is bringing direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features, such as dedicated amateur satellite operation, color touchscreen, built-in D-Star capability, RF direct sampling on 2 meters and 70 centimeter bands, dual independent receivers capable of full duplex operation as well as dual watch, 100 watts maximum output power on 2 meters, 75 watts max on 70 centimeters, and 10 watts max on 1.2 gigahertz. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Attention all hams! ICOM knows that ham clubs play a big role in bringing ham communities together to learn from their peers and industry leaders. As a way to give back and help you on your mission, ICOM has launched a promotion exclusively for U.S. ham clubs and the ham fest they're involved with. By registering your club, you could win ICOM swag, a Skype presentation for your club, or your ham fest 
and ICOM booth set up. Register today for your chance to win at icomamerica.com slash hams. Thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. And speaking of that IC9700, we're going to be looking at that. Is it? I think it's next month, isn't it, Tommy? Uh, yeah, sure is. It's in April. Yeah. So Ray is going to come over, and we're going to do the definitive video on the IC9700. So you won't want to miss that. We'll let you know as it gets closer to the date. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. That neither yeah, one of too. us has ever had a radio anything like that. So, yeah. So there's nothing to smack it down with with that one. No, I thought about maybe we get email to smack it down, but you know, his it's still not the same thing. Emails has HF on it, so uh-huh. you know, not really um, complete. Yeah, comparison. Probably about the closest one there we got around though. Uh, out of what we've got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like a t- contest grade VHF UHF, isn't it? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm and uh, so I think maybe satellite too, possibly. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Tommy, we've got a photo here. Tell us about this. Who yeah, is, this is uh, from this John guy? Amadeo. This, huh? this little guy looks familiar here. Yeah, you've probably seen him on TV. Um, John Amadeo from the producer for Last Man Standing sent that in. Uh, the email says uh, Last Man Standing cast Jet. I'm probably going to say this wrong. Jurgen Meyer and his dad Scott take and pass their tech exam uh, for study. They use Gordo's tech CDs and book and the HamStudy.org app. The test was given on the CBS studio lot where the show was shot. The VEs were Rob AA6RA Norm. K6YXH and Naomi WB6OHW. Jet can't wait to get on the air. And he looks pretty excited. Um, just a side, and he should be excited. It's a, that's a fun time when you first get your ticket. Um, on the side note, I was looking on Twitter and I saw uh, they had posted about it. And the other girl, the new girl, I, I can't remember her name. But she's the foreign exchange student that lives with them on the show, and she was saying that her and her father are, are hams, too. They've been hams, so there are quite a number of hams on that set. Well, they really are. They really are. Yeah. Um, it's good Bo- um, Jet is uh, the grandson on the show, right, Boyd? Yeah, Boyd. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm going to try to get out there. They're almost finished shooting um, – for this year, but next season I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to get out there and uh, and maybe operate the station there on the set one time. So and looking forward to that. But anyway, this is I thought that was pretty cool. He he got his ticket. So yeah, and he he was excited about it. There's a we had some video on Ham Nation one night of Ray operating with him from the set there. And uh, uh-huh. you could tell he was into it. He, he, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, they said he really, really loves it. Yeah. So I know he's going to have well, a fun What's time. not to love, man? It's a good time. Oh, yeah. Yep. Even if Ray is there. <laughs> well, tonight I'm going to do what they said couldn't be done. Won't be the first time. Uh, I've I've done what they say shouldn't be done before. But uh, this one, I don't know. 
it's not something that I actually needed. I mostly did it just because somebody said you could, and I wanted to try it out for myself. So you don't have to. But you might want to. If you do, there's enough information here that you could run the real Windows 10 on a Raspberry Pi. In this segment, I hope to answer the question, can you run Windows 10 desktop on a Raspberry Pi? You know, for a while, there's been Windows 10 IoT Core available, which would allow you to run a version of Windows 10 on a Raspberry Pi, but it was very limited and quite unlike Windows Desktop. Microsoft does have a version of Windows 10 that will run on ARM processors, and the Raspberry Pi uses an ARM processor. However, this version of Windows wasn't really designed for the Raspberry Pi. A group of dedicated hackers got together wrote the code so that you can download, create an ISO, and the drivers needed to run Windows 10 Pro on a Raspberry Pi. Now, you'll want a Raspberry Pi 3, B+, for sure, and you want a special SD card. Not just any SD card would be suitable for this. There's a newer rating for SD cards, A1 or A2, in addition to the regular class structures that we're used to seeing, these are created especially for application performance class because now people are using micro SD cards in their cell phones and other devices. So this class is not just for sequential reads and writes, but also for random. Really works a lot better, and that's what you're going to need for this. Now, I can't cover all the steps necessary to do this and everything I learned in the process but I can show you that it is possible and show you where you need to go to find the information if you want to try it yourself. I'll warn you up front, it's not going to run very fast, but it does seem to run most of Windows 10. Now let's gather up the resources we're going to need to pull this off. But first, let me mention a website that I found particularly useful. It's pi64.win. I believe the guy who wrote the Raspberry Pi Deployer that I'll be using here is the creator of this site. There's also a good user forum on there that uh, helped me out with some issues that I was having. There is no ready-made image of Windows 10 Pro for the Raspberry Pi, so you'll need to use a tool, or actually a couple of tools, to help create it and deploy it. You can go to github.com slash woa-project the link here on the screen and there will be a link to a website that will help you create the image and download the proper drivers that you need to put this together the site creates a script that you can download and then run it on your desktop pc it will go grab all the pieces you need and assemble them together once you've downloaded and created your iso image you need to burn it to a micro SD card. To do that, you can download the program shown on the link here at github.com. It's the Windows on ARM Deployer. This will take your image and install it on your micro SD card. Once you've got it deployed to the SD card, plug it into your Raspberry Pi and boot up. You'll come up to a shelled prompt first. You just need to type exit there. All the instructions are in the websites that I pointed you to earlier. And as you run these programs, they will give you uh, the instructions you need to follow. Basically, you've got to set up the Pi to know that it should boot from a Windows 10 partition 
on the SD card. Oops, run into a problem here. I saw this more than once during the setup process, but just looking at it, other than this Raspberry at the front, you would think you were installing Windows on any other PC here. This is where I got stuck also, uh, choosing the keyboard layout. Eventually, I backed down to an earlier version of the Windows image, and I did not have that problem. That was a suggestion that was given to me. But we just go through and set this up just like we were setting up Windows. Uh, not a lot different there. I'm not going to sign in with a Microsoft account. I'll just run an offline account. And uh, no, I don't want to use Cortana. I'm actually going to disable it. I'll show you that a little bit later here. I've turned off all the uh, privacy settings there because I don't need to share anything. I figure the less I do with this, the better off I am. I think we've got signs of life here. Looks just like uh, your regular Windows 10 installation. And, of course, things have been speeded up here greatly. So it took, in reality, a lot more time than this to accomplish. First thing we'll do is go click on the Windows Start menu. Boy, that looks just like a Windows 10 on a PC. We'll scroll through, find a couple of programs here. Maybe try something out, see how it works. We'll try out the calculator. Now notice how long it takes the calculator to work. I've already clicked on the icon there. It takes it a while to load up. Once it's been loaded, though, and then it's cached in the swap file, so it loads much faster the next time. Once it got loaded up, things seemed to run uh, exactly like you would expect. Uh, the typing was pretty much in real time. No big lag there, so I was proud to see that. And here we are at the calculator. So we'll just try a simple calculation. 100 times 2 equals 200. Now the reason that's going so slow is I'm using a trackpad, and I normally use a mouse. I'm not that good at it. Here's the Amateur Logic website with the Edge browser. Here's the Amateur Logic website with the Edge browser. You can see that... Uh, the video doesn't look just great there, trying to play it from that little YouTube window. There's some tearing and uh, some pauses. But I wouldn't expect that to be just great at this time because they don't even have the GPU driver working yet. Are we running on a Raspberry Pi? Well, you can plainly see right there in Device Manager, we're running on an ARM device. No doubt about it, I'm not faking this part. Back at the desktop again, we'll go back to the start menu and try something else. Now you can see it's loaded all that uh, junk that you usually get with Windows 10 in there. I'll probably go back and delete that later if I ever plan on really doing anything with this. I'm going to try a few tweaks now that I found online that they said might speed up things a little bit. I'm going to bring up a command prompt here. I'm going to right-click on it and choose Run as Administrator, and I'll have to give it permission to allow me to do this. And what I'm going to do here is run msconfig, make a couple of changes to hopefully speed things up a little bit. We should go down to Windows Search and stop it. We'll uncheck it, and I'll apply it. And now we're going to run regedit. And with this trick, we're going to disable Cortana, and this will work on any Windows PC. So 
you might want to use this on your regular desktop. And we'll navigate to HKey Local Machine, Software, Policies, Microsoft, Windows, Windows Search, and there is no Windows Search. So we'll need to add it. We'll create a new key, and we'll name it Windows Search. Then once we're in that key, which we're there now, we'll create a new D word, a 32-bit one. We'll call this Allow Cortana, all one word. We'll double-click it there to open, and we want to make sure that the value is set to zero. And it is. Click OK. Now we can exit Registry Editor and reboot. The familiar Cortana search box there is gone. It's been replaced with Windows Search, which is a little more efficient. Maybe that'll speed things up a little bit. Another tweak that's been suggested is to disable or uninstall OneDrive. I'm going to try doing that. First, I'll close it. I'll go to Control Panel. I will uninstall a program. Microsoft OneDrive, uninstall. And there we go. We got rid of OneDrive. Supposedly, this speeds up things a little bit with the machine as well. So I guess I have answered the question, can you run Windows 10 desktop on a Raspberry Pi? And yes, you can. It may be slow, but it does run. Now, there's another tweak you can do. Uh, there are drivers now where you could run an SSD drive with this, and they say that speeds it up a pretty good bit too, but I'm not going that far at this point. One other thing I'd like to mention is the CPU gets kind of hot while you're doing this. I have a heat sink on mine, and it gets much warmer than it ever does with the Raspbian operating system. Now, is it legal to run Windows 10 on here? Well, I'm no legal expert, so I can't say for sure. There's a lot of uh, speculation going back and forth both ways on the Internet. But if we just take a look here, under System, under Windows Activation, it's telling me Windows is activated. So, I don't know. Maybe it is. It does say this is a test mode here, so I'm thinking, yeah, this is uh, probably an experimental version that's out there, and maybe it is okay to be running it. If not, I guess I'm busted. Okay. Um, yeah, as I mentioned there, that's been greatly sped up, edited quite a bit. Now, email, the only thing I bought there was that uh, Class A1 SD card. I, I'm not. I'm not saying anything because uh, to me, this is just more proof of my uh, whole conspiracy segment. Um, <laughs> and you guys both now have the abil- uh, ability now to warp time. So I see what's happening here. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, I don't know how many days it took me to do that because there were some problems to begin with. But once I got it going, I could, I could redo that pretty quick now. But no, so, it's, it's not fast. It does run slow, but everything I tried on it ran. So if you just had to have a really cheap computer, or you just needed, you know, some way to run Windows 10, and, you know, you just kept you an SD card for the Pi setup, you could stick it in there and run it. I don't know that it would be good enough to do anything, um, you know, any ham radio. 
Um, well, so that's what I was going to ask. Is you, could you do anything useful with it other than calculator? I can use paint. Uh, wow. I, tr- I tried WordPad. WordPad ran reasonably well on it. The thing I found is when you first click on a program or whatever to load it, it's going to take a moment. Once it gets loaded up, though, the program runs reasonably fast. Now, right now, you know, there's not many drivers for it, so the only audio you've got is really what's built on the Raspberry Pi, just, you know, the little audio uh, playback device. Uh, maybe eventually, though, they'll write some drivers for it to where you could plug in a, a third-party sound dongle. Who knows? Uh, maybe you could, you know, do PSK31 or or something like that with it. Um, the GPU is not enabled right now, so, you know, that slows down things greatly. Yeah. So, you know, a few tweaks. If they don't get shut down, maybe, you know, maybe they'll have something... Uh, useful at some point. Like I say, right now, it actually worked. Uh, so I, I'll give it that much. And the price was right. Free. Yeah. But Well, that was interesting. Yeah. I guess that's the first uh, first one I've seen that actually ran it. I saw that article, you know, it came out about it, the possibility. But that was it was interesting. Yeah. And it actually ran, and they're still doing work on it, so... I suspect it's going to get better. I don't think it'll ever be great because I mean it's Raspberry Pi. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, but if you could get it to sit over there and run uh, Whisper or FT8, some of the digital modes, just sit over there, a little cheap computer you could dedicate for something like that. That may, it might be nice if it's up to the task. Yeah, my my thought was that. I mean, definitely on a Raspberry Pi. You're going to want to run Raspbian operating system. Uh, with the, the Pi 3B Plus, you know, is actually pretty snappy for a $35 mm-hmm. computer with Raspbian on it. It's not yeah. with Windows 10. But, you know, there's some folks that are just not going to run Linux and don't want to, you know, get their feet muddy trying to make it work and and learn it. So this is an option for them for, for some stuff if you've got time to wait. I noticed over in the chat room, uh, somebody asked, and I don't remember who it was now, I think it was Nigel, wanted to know about SVX Link on the Raspberry Pi. You know, that's what I had worked on last month, and I was going to come back to it this month and show it. Well, this project came up, and I thought it was timely. I'd I'd go ahead and get this out there first because, um, you know, next week everybody and his brother might be doing it, but... Right now, you know. There's something to be said for being first for yep. some stuff. Some stuff. Yeah, definitely not other stuff, though. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll be getting back to the SVX link, and, uh, yeah, that's going to work, Nigel. I, I can feel it already in my bones. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one, too. Yeah. Well, we'll be back in uh, just a moment. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. 
the English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went stores. primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. Never too late to burn, blow something up. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Well, what do you guys say? We spend a couple of minutes here and and look at a few things. First, you know, we've been doing that segment where we we show the amateur logic hat photos. Yeah. And where uh, John and the hat have been recently. The, the, on a sad note, this is probably the last photo of the hat we're going to see from Google+. Plus. Uh, this came from our friend uh, John Baggett, K2BAG. And he said, this is a Grapevine Vintage Railway turntable. This was will probably be the last ALTV hat on the road on Google Plus, if you can find it. Does anybody see the hat? Yeah, I see it. I see it. I see it, too. Look pretty good for it, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew it was going to be right up front wherever it was, because it always is. Yeah. It's, it looks like it's got some miles on it, because it's the same gray color as that train. Yeah. It's got a few miles now. You know, that hat has been coast to coast who knows how many times. Yeah. That kid, I think that hat's been around the world. Uh, yeah, I think it has. I think it's, it's been to Japan. Yeah, it's been to England. I know, and Lord knows where else he's taken it that we don't know about. And I've got one more hat photo here. This comes from uh, Ralph AB1OP, and yes, that is one of Ralph's famous hat shoveling snow pictures from February nineteenth. Wow. Now, the last of the Google Plus postings of these chronicles of Oneham's battle against the elements. Time is limited. Be sure to collect them all. As a bonus, a really bad picture of AB1OP actually wearing the ALTV hat, sitting in the gable window, trying not to do a Humpty Dumpty. He's much <laughs> taller in person. We're going to miss seeing that hat on Google Plus. Maybe it will pop yeah. up on the Facebook group some, uh, and possibly, uh, well, it could pop up some other places. But you, you yeah, know, you can all, if you want, you can always email us your hat pictures as well. Exactly. Um, so we we still like to get them on there. If you, I understand a lot of people aren't Facebook people. I, I'm not a huge fan of it myself. If it wasn't for our amateur logic group, I, I probably wouldn't get on there much at all. Um, but. But uh, anyway, if you want to send your hat pictures or T-shirt pictures in or whatever, send them to uh, George or myself at AmateurLogic.tv. 
not myself at AmateurLogic.tv, Tommy at AmateurLogic.tv, and uh, we'll be glad to put them on still. Yeah, and, you know, just because Google Plus is going away doesn't mean that folks should stop wearing their hats or their shirts. If you needed a hat or a shirt, well, you know, <laughs> if you you shouldn't stop wearing a shirt for sure. Um, <laughs> but if, if, if you need a new shirt or want one that's stylish, when you can go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get one with uh, the right logos on it. Uh, we've got amateurlogic.tv and Ham College swag on the site there. So uh, get yours today. Ham, Hamvention's coming up soon. Um, it's always great to get pictures with you guys with the hats and the shirts on from there. So um, it's not too not too late to get yours and have it in time for Hamvention. Cool, yeah. And uh, thanks for all the great hat photos and all the posts that uh, you Google Plus community members gave us over the years. And it'll be sad to see it go along, but it never really caught on like Google wanted it to. And you know, if Google can't dominate the world with something, they're not going to do very long. They're going to shut it down, right, yeah. Emil? Yeah, we had a nice little group going there too for for a while. It was it was very active. It was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, um, anyway, yeah. When is that going to happen? Well, uh, April the second, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Unless they announce April first that it was a joke, but I don't. I don't think. They <laughs> yeah, are. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us, everyone, tonight. Before we get out of here, uh, any final thoughts from down south there, Emil? Keep it cheap. <laughs> hey, that's going be a great T-shirt. <laughs> well, that needs to go in the, in the yeah. Amateur Logic swag shop. <laughs> yep. We need another one with the sell, cheap old man or cheap housekeeping yep. seal of approval, whatever it is. Yeah. Calm, calm. Com approved. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you what I was thinking of. You'll you'll see. Okay. I think uh, you got any room on your video switcher down there? Um, maybe. <laughs> if okay. I, if I know when we're gonna need to do it, yeah, for sure. All right, I All got right. something for you. All right, Tommy. Any final thoughts from uh, up there? Is it frozen right now, or is it? No, it's out? actually. Uh, it, it was a little bit kind of misty rain today, but it's been pretty nice. It was chilly when I first got here, but it's been warming up. Um, so it was like uh, probably in the 50s today, which is pretty balmy for here, yeah. I think. So no final words? Uh, no, just uh, it has been fun, and uh, just uh, look ready for next time. Catch us on Ham College at the end of the month. Yep. Coming up. And with uh, Google Plus communities going away soon, uh, thanks to everyone who's been participating in that. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, for those of you who are on Facebook, you can join us, facebook.com slash group slash amateurlogic.tv. Or you can follow us on the Twitters at at Amateur Logic or at Ham College. Yep. And I don't know. We need one. We need a third thing that you can say, Mel. You knew I was. I was fixing to put you on the spot. I don't know what We're it on is. Instagram. Uh, also, uh, we got two pictures on there. 
No, well, it's probably six or eight. I actually took another one of my set up here in the hotel room. I'm going to upload it here in a few minutes. Maybe we'll have the uh, cheap uh, the cheap wrap up at the end of the show, where we can see whose segment was the was the won cheapest. the award. Okay. <laughs> All right. Which one was com compliant? Uh, yep. I think you you got it, Tommy. <laughs> well, cool. And you can get the show notes at amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Our friend Dan in LVS does that for us every month. And we'll be back, uh, well, at the end of the month, uh, Dean Martin and Professor Thomas will be here. Uh, and we'll be holding class, giving out tardy slips, and whatever else we can come up with to learn you something. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, if you guys are coming to Hamvention this year, like I said, it's not too not too late, to, not too early to get you uh, amateur logic t shirt or cap to represent there. It's all, yeah. always a lot of fun to see the the amateur logic swag walking around there. Yep, it is. So seven I've three. Never, I, I've never met Chewbacca. I've always wanted to meet Chewbacca. By the way, yeah, he was only there that one year. Okay. And um, that was some good DX, man. (laughs) But you never know who's going to be there. That's true. Thanks for being here. 7-3, everybody. 7-3. See you next time. I think we need to give the technicians a little more privileges. I think it would help get some new hams in. And, uh, well, you guys should say something to kind of bail me out here. Oh, the way for you to finish. Uh, definitely needs to own transmission line communications by C.W. Davidson. That's not it. Hey, this this episode had uh, buzzers in it. It's my favorite.